0: All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5 for the last time. Maybe. James chapter 5. I've been trying to close this study for quite a while, but I've enjoyed it. Amen. The book of James is about, did somebody fall down? Praise God. But anyway, uh, James chapter 5, we're going to talk about uh, praying for the straying or praying for the prodigal. I've had some good news since I've come in of new ministries starting and. Uh, people stepping up and leading singing, they didn't know could lead singing, and people stepping up and teaching uh, their first Sunday school lesson this morning, it's good to know that people are stepping up, amen, and speaking of stepping up, uh, Brother Randy's got four more weeks without stepping down, and I'd like to encourage him by signing a birthday card on the way out, and then we'll uh, give him a little offering and and, uh, take him out to eat, and um, I noticed he was here this morning smiling and happy, Brother Jason said, and That's good, because he got his cast off, but he's still got the pins and the metal in it, and he can't touch the ground for four weeks. Amen. And Notice that cart, uh, Wednesday didn't have a motor on it. That little cart, that little scooter, uh, he won't never be around another motor. Amen. But uh, (laughs) that's what his wife said, praise God. Anyway, but uh, I'm glad God spared his life, and he's got another birthday. I think he's going to be 50 tomorrow, 40. I don't know what he's going to be. You ain't allowed to tell, are you? Amen. But anyway, he's getting old. I know that, but anyway, James chapter 5, James chapter 5, I want to thank you for praying for the missions, it's not a mission, it's a marriage, but there's a lot of missionaries there. Cason Bloom and his wife was sitting there on the front row with 20 other couples, and I preached a lot and taught a lot on uh, how the target of Satan is to divide their homes. You know, a missionary goes on the mission field, and all it takes is a discouraged wife and a sinful child in their home. And I'm going to tell you something, the devil knows that, so he targets them constantly. They're under great pressure. And so we ought to pray for our missionaries, not only that they'll be effective in the ministry, but they'll be effective in their marriage, because I believe once their marriage is over, their ministry is over. And I'm going to tell you, the devil knows that, and we need to pray for them. And I was excited that I got to uh, teach uh, 20 couples Saturday morning, but more important than that probably is that probably about four, three or 400 missionaries, because they have a real connection with a with the internet, as far as getting it out, like we do. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew, uh, James chapter 5. And I appreciate Brother Austin. If anybody needed a break, Brother Austin needs a break. A matter of fact, if he took three or four weeks off, but he always going around the world, everywhere, preaching. I mean, just preaching himself out, preaching himself to death. And he just said, uh, Brother Wayne, I need to get away. I'm just about to break. And so I said, Hey, go. Hey, Amen, Brother. Uh, we'll, we'll handle it or mishandle it or something. You just take a break, amen, and and, uh, and it, was a, it was a delight to help him out. But I like to be home, and I like, this is my favorite place to preach, and I thank God for you being here tonight. James chapter 5, let's begin with verse 16 and read through the end of the chapter, and hopefully this will be the uh, end of our great study because it's a great book on maturity. Grow up, be mature. There's no place in the Christian life for babies, for uh, whiners, and complainers and for backsliders and strayers And folks we've all been that We've all been tempted to be that You might not backslid publicly But I guarantee you backslid uh, privately In your heart you said man I'm quitting How many of ever thought about quitting Raise your hand Okay the rest of you come to the altar For not even listening to the question Amen but anyway Look, look at verse 16 uh, through 20 Let's stand on the word of God Confess your faults one to another And pray for one another that you may be healed The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a a man of subject to like passions. just like we are, as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by a space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven uh, gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And Here's the last two verses that I'm going to emphasize tonight. Brethren, if any of you err from the truth, and one convert him. Let's not talking about the loss. This is backslidden. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the errors of his, error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this uh, chance to get a burden. I mean a real prayer burden for those that are not here tonight. And Lord, some couldn't be here because they're sick, but some people chose not to be here because they have other priorities, and they don't want to be here, and they'd rather rest, watch TV, or do whatever. And God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that they'd see the danger of backsliding, the danger of losing or leaving their first love, and God, that we would see it, and not be holier than thou, critical, cynical, gossips, but dear God, prayer warriors for these that's fallen by the wayside prayer warriors, uh, Lord, because one day we were there and somebody prayed us back in. And somebody came looking for us and knocked on our door. And somebody loved us and cared and didn't give up on us. Might have been a mother, might have been a father, might have been a brother or sister, might have been just a good good uh, uh, Sunday school teacher, but they came after us. And we thank you, dear God, for this privilege tonight to pray for the ones that are straying, to pray for the prodigal. Well, thank you in Jesus' name for what you do through this message. Amen. You know, there's confession, and then there's intercession, and then there's an illustration of prayer. The man Elijah was a man just like us. The Holy Ghost puts this emphasis that he he was of like passion as we are. That means he prayed and God worked great miracles and there was a fire that fell from heaven, and 850 prophets of hell uh, and Baal, the prophet of fire, uh, was defeated. And then he prayed, and, and uh, seven times he prayed, and a little hand, a cloud of the size of a hand came up, and it, it, it was a, a pouring down rain. We call it in South Georgia a frog straddle, strangler. I think that's what we used to call it. Amen. Anyway, uh, it drowned a frog, Amen. And I mean, it was it, it came. He said, "You better get up on the high ground, son, because the rain's about to come." Now that's amazing to me that a man of like passions, a man that's just like us, uh, was effectual and fervent because he was righteous. But also, he was called to have a burden for that nation, a burden for revival. And then James ends this beautiful book on maturity that we ought to be uh, that we ought to be uh, uh, mature in our testing chapter one. And 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 God sends trials uh, for us to uh, to be more mature and, and more like Christ and always troubles for us to be more like Jesus. And he he sends a test of obedience in verse chapter one, verse twenty-two through the end of the chapter. Then the test of brotherly love. A mature person doesn't pick at people and look for faults and and, and, and garbage collectors, but they're treasure collectors. They're looking for something good out of people. And then we see in chapter 3, that a mature Christian controls his tongue, and no man can control their tongue except by the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say amen? You ever tried not to say something and said it? Amen? Uh, you Hey, listen, it's impossible to control the tongue. Only the Holy Ghost can control it. And then we see the rebuke of worldliness in chapter 4. God resists the devil, drawn out of God. That's a sign of maturity. And then chapter 5, we see that a mature Christian is an intercessor. That he prays for others. Folks, that, that there's a confession, uh, there's an intercession, and there's an illustration of an ordinary man that did extraordinary things. I want you to notice the word error in this, in this passage. Brother, if any of you er- do err from the truth, the word error means to wander gradually, move away from the will of God. And I will say this, friend, it's not back-leaping, it's backsliding. You know, some of y'all are amazingly excited about this church. You're amazingly excited about the Lord, and it's contagious, and it has encouraged me like nobody else. I mean, when people get excited about preaching, get excited about hearing the Word of God, excited about singing, it gets me excited because I'm excited about it, and I don't need to look at some uh, person that looks like a mule looking at a new gate and saying, man, would you get it over with and doing the Baptist wave. You know, it's this clock thing, you know, like this, you know. I'll guarantee you, you won't have to worry about me preaching at vision. They have a rule. You don't preach over 30 minutes. I didn't make it, amen, I didn't make it, about 45 to to 50, amen, but anyway, uh, but he's out of town, so maybe he won't watch it, but I'm telling you this, friend, listen, God help us, God help us to enjoy what we do tonight, amen, thank God it's not a duty, it's not a chore, some of you look like it is, but it is not a duty to serve God, it's a joy, it's a privilege. I mean, God saved you by His grace. I mean, you could be in hell tonight. Your family could be in hell. And thank God He saved you, and now He wants you to worship, and then He wants you to get a concern of those that stray, those that are uh, uh, backslidden, those that are in a maze. Yesterday I was scouting out of church for pews, and and we got this great uh, opportunity to have these pews covered, and I wanted to see these people's work. And there was a bunch of youth there at that church that were going to a corn maze. I thought, man, what is a corn maze? I should know. It's where you get in this maze and you get lost. You know, you just wander around and, you know, I mean, that sounds like fun, Get lost in a bunch of corn, you know. But anyway, I guess it'd be fun. I don't know. I like a hayride. It's easier. But uh, they, they, they said, we're going on a corn maze. I said, well, good. Praise God, whatever it is, I think it's probably, probably good. But folks, a lot of people are in a maze about what the will of God is. And they're in a maze about... Uh, what God wants them to do. And, and they're amazed when, when, they, when, the, when they show up and something happens. Folks, listen. We need to stop riding the wagon, so to speak, and get off and pull it. Amen? We need to get involved in the ministry. And the more you're involved in the ministry, the more you'll enjoy it. The more you put... Listen, I can't stand to watch soccer. For some reason, I just can't stand. But I used to love to play it until I got everything broke in, on my life. You know, teeth, knee... Uh, I'll tell you about it later but anyway but li- listen, listen I like to get involved don't you? I'm, I never want to be a bench warmer I don't want to just sit on the sidelines and I want to tell you something friend. you straddle the fence and I guarantee straight to you you'll fall backwards every time we need to get involved totally involved I mean committed I mean totally surrender to God and, and folks we need to realize there's a lot of people that are not and it's dangerous look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 please Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says, brethren, that's a good word. I'm glad I got some brothers and sisters in Christ. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now folks, before you drown with your nose in the air saying it won't happen to me, watch out, it could happen to you. And I want to tell you, it's only the grace of God that it hadn't happened to you. And so every backslider needs a church that will love them when they come back and pray for them until they do come back. M- mature Christians do not look uh, slay the, the wounded and shoot their wounded. They pray them back in. And they love them back in. And they're available for them to be uh, converted. And that word's not to the loss. Um, Peter was converted after he backslid. He was changed again. Backsliding is dangerous. Let me tell you, number one, Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he scourged and chastened every son who receiveth. That means, friend, and then it says in verse 8 that you are illegitimate. And The King James Bible says you're a bastard if you do not get receive uh, chastening. That's, not a, that's, not, that's a biblical word. Don't be afraid of it. It's King James language. You know what that's saying? If you do not get chastening, you're not saved. If you, do, if you can get away with sin and live in sin and live in the prodigal pig pen the rest of your life, you never were saved. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's a convictor that lives inside of you, and he will not let you go. He will convict you of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. Amen? And, folks, you can sin you can any sin after you're saved that you could sin before you're saved. The only thing is you won't get away with it. And you won't like it. And if your conscience is seared where you like it, then watch out. There's about to become a whipping. God whips. In South Georgia, we call them whooped. We got got whooped, and we whoop people. But, you know, I want to tell you something. Friend, God can whoop you. That means he can take you to the backside of the woodshed and wear you out. First of all, he takes the peace of God away from you when you backslide. Colossians 3.15 says he's the umpire. The peace of God rules in your heart. Now, I want to say this, friend. If you can just sin, 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 and never lose the peace about it. You're not saved. You're not saved. You need to go come down the altar and get born again because you're not saved. Because there's someone living inside of you that will disturb you when you sin. But the longer you stay away, the harder your heart will be, and the more faint the voice will get. First John chapter five verse sixteen and seventeen it says there's a sin unto death. I do not believe that means you die and go to hell. That means you go to heaven early. God takes you out of this world early because you're blaspheming or shaming his name in such a way that he has to have you come up to heaven early. You can sin uh, so much and so blatant. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30 says that he turned over a gentleman for the destruction of the flesh. And so, folks, it's dangerous to backslide. And let me just say this. We ought to get a burden to pray for the backslidden because they're on very dangerous ground. They're, 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 they're in harm's way. I mean, they're on a very slippery path. Because I want to tell you something, God will not allow them just to live like they want to because he'll get their attention and he'll come after them. But folks, we need to pray them back. Now, what is the problem of erring from the truth? Well, James five nineteen says, brethren, if any of you err from the truth, the origin of the problem is from the truth. John 17, 17 says the word is truth. We're sanctified by the truth. And I'll say this, sin will either keep you away from the Bible or the Bible will keep you away from sin. And the more you stay away from the Bible, the more you'll sin. And the more you sin, the more you'll hurt others. Uh, Sin will take you lower than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. It's a little colloquial poem or whatever, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Talked taught yesterday on David and Micah, a new, a new lesson on uh, Micah despising David. And then David turned around, didn't ever touch her, they never had children, and he despised her. He, he practically divorced her. She became an ordinary woman in the palace. She became like a slave. And then later on we see that that sin accelerated till he despised the commandments and despised God, committed adultery, committed murder. Lost four children, and many blasphemed the name of God. You don't think your marriage is important. I'm going to tell you something, friend. It is important. But I'll tell you this, friend it's more important that you just love God and not drift. So the origin of the problem is we drift from the truth. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, please. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. It says therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. And folks listen when we should be teaching others we become dull the Bible says in uh, chapter 5 and folks uh, we have need of somebody coming helping us when we are be helping others. One thing about it, when you're backslidden, you can't help others. You can't pick up anybody because you're down with them. And folks, the danger is drifting, letting it slip. It's not back leaping; it's backsliding. You just get up one Monday morning and don't read your Bible. You get up one Tuesday morning and you don't praise God and you don't sing a a song that glorifies God, that uh, brings glory to Him. You you backslide. Then Then you get a little lax on your friendship and you start hanging around those that are questionable and marginal in their Christian life. I'll tell you, for long, you'll find yourself slipping. I went fishing with old David Ball, uh, Angie's brother, and he's a tremendous fisherman. And we were on the Tennessee River catching stripes this big, maybe this big. I mean, about that big. I don't lie from the pulpit. About that big. No, I think they were about that big. I mean, they were big fish. I couldn't believe it. And all of a sudden, they stopped biting. And I looked, I said, David, what am I doing wrong? He said, you're not doing anything wrong. We've drifted a mile from them. we got to crank it back up, go back. I never realized we were drifting one inch, Brother Darrell, when I was trying to catch those big fish, amen? And I'm going to tell you something. You can drift without knowing it. Your attitude can drift. Your disposition can drift. Hey, I'm going to tell you, your receptiveness can drift. You can drift off and go to sleep every time I preach to be here every service and drift and drift off into backsliddenness and you need to get a grip on it because I want to tell you something, the outcome is found in chapter five, verse 20, our last verse uh, of the chapter and of the book. It says, let him know that he which converts a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. A multitude of sins. Folks, David never thought that just uh, despising his wife would lead to adultery and murder. He never thought that uh, staying home in after the spring rains when he should have led his men to battle would that would, would be in a wrong place at the wrong time with the pride of life saying I can have whoever I want to and see a naked woman, uh, probably beautiful because the devil usually puts one up in front of you and lusted after and and... and and had sex with her, and conceived, and then that brought a path to cover up, and he couldn't cover up because Uriah wouldn't go uh, to be with her because he wanted to uh, be faithful like his men, and then he he killed him. A man after God's own heart. A man that wrote most of the Psalms. Folks, I want to tell you something. Sin will take away your testimony, but it might take away your life. It'll take away your effectiveness. Sin's not to be played with. It's like bringing rattlesnakes home and putting them on the front porch and your children open it up and it bites them in the neck as a a true story uh, I heard and and the little child dies and the father's crying out in the woods, why did I bring them home? Why did I bring them home? So folks, we need to pray. Two things we should do for a backslider in closing. We ought to pray we ought to seek to help them. That's convert them. Look at Luke chapter 22 verse 32. Luke chapter 22, verse 32. This amazes me. Peter was one of the disciples, and he still backslid. He denied God. If he can do it, you can. I'm not encouraging to. I'm just saying, get your guard up, and let's pray for one another. Luke chapter 22. I want you to look at verse 32, please. Luke twenty two thirty two. 32. The Bible says, well, let's go back to 31. It says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has a desire to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, verse 32, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, folks, he did not get saved again. A lot of people read that out of context. Oh, yeah, he got saved again. No, he didn't get saved again. He got converted. He changed. It's a change of mind, a change of heart. He repented. And he got right with God. And he says, once you get right with God, you can strengthen the brethren. The fervent, righteous man's prayer availeth much. You have to be fervent, but you've got to be righteous. Not self-righteous, but I mean right with God. And So the best thing you can do is pray for someone else. And I'll tell you where the problem is a lot of times. Two, two areas. Faith and love. He said, I prayed for thee, thy faith fell not. So you know that the Lord was saying, Peter, you got a problem with your faith. But then when he restored Peter, John chapter 21, what did he deal with? His love. He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know I love you. He used the word eros, I feel for you. You know I love you. He used the word Philadelphia, uh, which means I, 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 I care for you, I, 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 I actually am a great friend with you. And Then he, he laughed, he said, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? And he said, Lord, you know it. And he said, well, feed my lambs. Let me just say this real quick. We need to pray for people to stay in love with God. I mean, we need to pray for people to, to believe God. But I want to tell you something, do you love God more than you love yourself? Do you love God more than you love the things of the world? It's amazing to me that people get attracted by things on Sunday that they shouldn't be involved in, and God's house is half empty. And folks, I want to tell you something, it's a shame and disgrace that the church is not overflowing with people, but if you have a ball game on Sunday, it's packed out. I want to tell you something, those jaybirds that will not salute the flag, they've never saved anybody. They've never saved anybody. I mean, and listen, the only team I like is the Falcons because they're all Christians and they all salute the flag. But t- <laughs> you, all get that later. <laughs> Brother Bobby says it's like the Alabama team. You know, that's a, they're all godly people. No, listen, listen, listen to me. Folks, I want to tell you something. The things of the world is attractive. The things of the world are inviting. And the things of the world are advertised. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And I'll tell you something, we fall for it every day. But we need to go out and pray, Oh God, I want to speak, Ephesians 2.15, the truth in love. We need to pray for these folks with a broken heart. The Bible says we ought to go after them like a fireman. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 2 says we're like a fireman. Matthew chapter 4 verse 16 says we're fishermen. And folks, the farmers are sowers and reapers, and we ought to have compassion on the lost. But I believe I'd have compassion on the straying. Let me just close by saying this. I believe I know how to pray for the backslidden. I really do. I don't know if I do it enough, but God's given us a pattern how to pray for the backslidden. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15 in closing. I've got a few minutes. I'm trying not to keep y'all too long. Luke 15. Appreciate the message on faith this morning. Luke chapter 15. You know, the, you, know the, you know the story, the prodigal son. and He had everything, but he wanted, he wanted everything. He, wa- he, had, he had his part, but he wanted everybody's part. He wanted the father's part. And a certain man had two sons, and verse 12 says, The younger of them said unto his father, Give me the portion of goods that follow me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and their waste is life with riotous living. I think the biggest waste of somebody's life is to live for something besides God and someone besides God. You're wasting your life. Matter of fact, you're wasting the breath God's given you when you backslide. But then it goes on to say this And when he had spent all, and you will, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. I think the first thing you need to do to pray for a prodigal or for a straying Christian is you need to pray they'll realize where they're at. You know, there, look at verse 15. And he went and journeyed himself, uh, joined himself to a city, citizen of, of the country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. A Jewish boy with pigs. That's awful. I like pork, but, but Jews don't like pork. But look at verse 19, 16. And he would have fain filled his belly with the hus that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. i tell you what we need to pray for. We need to pray real quick that people that are out of the will of God will realize the misery of the far country. Remember when you was backslidden? Was it yesterday? No. Do you remember that? Do you remember the days you were out of church? You didn't even care about coming to church. All you did was get the crazy paper and wait for an NFL football game at 1 o'clock. That's all you live for. Or a trip, or hiking, or sports. Listen to me now. It's not time to fool around. And I want to tell you something, friend. You didn't know how miserable you really were, you didn't realize how empty you really were. But the Bible says this man got so hungry, he started eating corn that had no corn. Hus look like corn. Yeah, they smell like, It smells like corn, but there's nothing in it. And I want to tell you something. There's no substance in, a, in the life out of God's will. There's no substance. There's no nourishment. There's no vitality. There's no life out of the will of God. You're just existing. You're saved, but you're living beneath your God-given privilege. It's not the, it's not the will of God for you to live in a pig pen. Amen? Folks, I want to tell you something. Sin is embarrassing. Sin is humiliating. I to some boys at YDC Tuesday, and it was humiliating. I, didn't, I never asked them what they did. I don't want to know, because I might get prejudiced or something. And some of them committed some terrible sins. But I'll tell you what, Jesus saved them, but a lot of them are just church boys that got away from God. I mean, way away from God. And they never thought they'd get on meth, and they're addicted. They never thought they'd do what they did. Folks, sin will definitely keep you longer than you thought it would, and it'll hurt you a lot more, and you need to smell the slop. Folks, it's a terrible life, you know, the will of God. And this is a picture of it. I love how Luke, the doctor, Luke, uh, God, the Holy Spirit, gave him some detail of empty husk and slop in a pig pen. And emptiness, and then no man gave into him. Folks, your little friends that want to be cool and help you when you're out of the will of God, they'll forsake you the minute you get caught. Every time I counseled, why did he say, I said, hey, uh, he said, I said, what, what happened? He said, well, I just got with a game. I said, where are they now? And they'll always shake their head. We hadn't heard from them. You know why? Because they're probably blaming that guy for the whole rap, and they're going out doing more sin. And letting him take the rap for it. Called fair weather friends. I mean called sinner parasites. And folks, the world will use you. And the, and the crowd will use you. But God will bless you. The will of God's precious. Aren't you glad you're here tonight? This is the question though. Aren't you glad you wanted to be here? I know some members of Whitfield Baptist Church haven't been here in six months and they don't want to be here. And it just blows my mind that they don't realize what they're in, how dangerous it is, and how dismal their testimony is, and how they're slapping God in the face that saved them and and taking his name in the pig pen with them. That ought not be. And I think we ought to preach it straight because the devil sure is going to ruin their life if they don't get right with God. So if you got precious children that are not right with God, and I know it breaks your heart. I know it breaks your heart. I'm so thrilled to see Stephen leading singing this morning and, and, uh, and Stephanie running around, bossing everybody around about what to bring and food and all kinds of stuff <laughs> and keeping the nursery and just just thrilled. Had 12 grandchildren in that church. They called me Papa over there, not, not Brother Wayne, Amen. They kept the nursery three hours while I taught, three hours yesterday morning. And I went down the hall and I heard somebody saying, Papa, help me. Papa, help me. And it was, uh, it was, it was Tinsley hanging out the nursery door saying, come get me out of here. You have to have an adult to get you out. I said, what? I said, okay, I'm her grandfather. She's out of here. And boy, she said, thank you, Papa. We've been in there all morning. Amen. She got out of jail, praise God. And one guy said it was like five minutes, the, the, the seminar that we went to. I said it wasn't for the nursery workers, <laughs> amen, three. But I want to tell you something, Fred, there's something worse than the nursery at a church. It's being out of the will of God and not wanting to keep the nursery. Amen, come on, nursery director, where are you? She's back there in the nursery, amen, praise God. Where every nursery director gets stuck once every week. But anyway, listen, serving God's a blessing. Hey, doing anything for God, influencing these little junior boys and junior girls and and being a master club leader and and getting that van and going across the county and they don't even show up and they don't even come to the door, that's a blessing. Because there's a lot of families that are broken and hurting and and they're, they're in pain and agony and they just need a little sabbatical. They just need a Count Rhino. They just need a Whitfield Baptist Church Youth Department. They just need a break. Because the parents are so sorry, sinful, backslidden that they let them live in darkness and abuse and they just need some love. Number two, we ought to pray that they'd realize not only where they're at, prodigal pig pen, but why they got there. And See, folks, I'm going to tell you what what most backsliders say. Well, there's a bunch of hypocrites in the church and the preacher preached too long Somebody didn't shake my hand, and um, you know, uh, it's just they're a bunch of hypocrites. Well, listen, I'm gonna tell you something. You're you're smaller than a hypocrite if you hide behind them. Amen. God's never let you down. Jesus Christ will never let you down. And I wanna tell you something. You can find an excuse, or you can find an example. Take your pick. Amen. I mean, you know, if you really want to backslide, you can find some excuse. You can find some excuse for a Christian. And say, well, I'm a little better than them. I don't least. At least I don't beat my wife. Well, congratulations, you don't beat your wife. (laughs) But you can be backslidden in the heart. And you can go through the motions and you can come to church and even be backslidden. And you can leave your first love because of sin, selfishness, and pride. He said, um, give me. After he got right with God, he said, make me. And not like make me. A slap but a make me Lord I want to I I be your servant Father just make me a servant isn't that a great attitude change and then third of all I think we ought to pray they'd realize what they left behind look at verse 17 And when he came to himself he said how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger I'll tell you how you can pray for a backslidden person that's saved Help them, Lord, enlighten them, Lord, of what they're missing. Peace, joy, purpose, power, love. You can't buy that stuff. i many's glad you're part of this church. Amen. Amen. Where would you be tonight if it wasn't for a good godly friend, prayer partner, fellowship, Sunday school class? It's precious. It's precious. Sunday school teacher that comes knock on your door and says, "Where were you?" So I get tired of him coming bugging me. You ought to thank God he bugs you, because he's the. It's a vessel of the Holy Spirit saying, "Hey, buddy, I love you. You're in the prodigal pig pen. You're about to destroy your life. You're about to take others down with you." And then I think fourth of all, not only what you left behind. My Father's service has more, but I believe you ought to realize how much you're breaking the Father's heart. I believe with all my heart that this Father represents the perfect Father, God Almighty. You know, it grieves the Holy Spirit of God when you backslide. It grieves God the Father and God the Son because He died for you. He bled for you. He arose for you. And he's there for you. And I don't know about you, but if I'm there for one of my children and they never turn to me, it's an insult and it's a heartbreak. And I want to tell you something, friend. This prodigal forgot how much God the Father loved him or the Father loved him. And The Bible says that he, he, he came to himself. That's conviction. And how many of the hired servants my father have bread enough? That's the convi- convincing that He was perishing with hunger. And I'll rise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before me. And folks, I want to tell you something. He arose and he came to the father but he was yet a great way off. (laughs) Listen to this. His father saw him. Verse 20, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. A father kissing a son he said, That's a little sissy. No, that's a little precious. Father hugged his son. I believe with all my heart that there's more, there's a, there was a light on and stayed on more than Motel 6 for you. I think it's the light of heaven. I think it's the love of the Father that's waiting there. And he's longing. And he's sending a preacher to preach. And he's sending a missionary to reach you and he's sending a Sunday school teacher to knock on your door and he's he's doing everything he can to help you realize that he loves you and that he longs for you and that his heart is broken. That father looked probably every day kept the light on the porch there was a lady that went into a terrible sin and she is afraid to come home. Finally, she came home, and she just knew under that mat that would not be the key to that little house. But when she came back, the key was under the mat, and she opened it up, and she said, Mama, you know where I've been, and you know what I've done. Will you please forgive me? She said, Honey, I've already forgiven you. I've just been waiting for you to claim it. And Folks, God's already forgiven you. He just wants you to come back to Him. The Father's servant. Had more, but the father was heart was breaking, and folks. Last but not least, I believe we need to pray that there'll be Holy Ghost conviction. Look at verse eighteen. Not only did he think about going coming back, not only did he 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 say in his mind, "I think I'll go home." I love that song, "The Prodigal Son." Somebody ought to sing it in just a minute. Amen, brother Jared, you got it. Amen. It says, "I will arise, I will arise." And go to my Father, and I'll say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. That's good to think about that, and it's good to get under conviction, but I'll tell you what's really a blessing. He repented. Look at verse 20. And he arose. He did what he was thinking about. He, He did what the Holy Spirit was telling him to do. And look at this, real quick. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And he, met, he ran to him and he, and, he, and, he, and he fell on his neck and he kissed him and he said, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. That's Holy Ghost conviction. I want to close by saying this. We need to pray for Holy Ghost conviction On the strain, We need to pray that they won't rest. And I'll tell you something, the worst thing they could be is successful out of the will of God. That's the worst thing that could happen. You know, they win and they're popular and they're rich and they're famous. And I want to tell you something, that's dangerous. We need to pray for leanness of their soul. We need to pray for conviction in their heart. And we need to pray that not only they'll have that in their heart, but they'll get up and they'll meet the Father and realize the compassion that God has for them, that He was breaking their heart, and come, and look what happened. He said, But the Father said in the servant, verse 22, Bring forth the best robe, put it it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For My son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to be merry. You know, the elder brother got jealous. We'll preach that another time. But folks, I want to tell you this. If we're going to really pray for the straying, and I believe it's a sign of maturity, the last two verses of of, um, James, we need to pray that they'll come to the end of themselves. We need to pray that they'll be totally miserable in the pig pen of sin. And we need to pray that they'll realize that God the Father has never stopped loving them always had the light on the porch, longing to receive them back and realize that they, what they're missing and truly get up out of the slop of sin and the pig pen of sin and do the first works and praise God, come back to the Father and they'll find out what they're missing. The robe, the ring, and the fatted calf. The greatest life on this earth is the will of God. And I believe as a church, we ought to get a heart for those that are straying from the truth because it'll hide from them a multitude of sins. Sin will take you a lot lower than you ever thought it would. It'll keep you a lot longer than you ever thought you'd stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Let me read that last verse. Let him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the book of James. And Lord, as mature Christians, we ought to be intercessors. We ought to be burdened, and we ought not just enjoy ourselves here. We ought to get a burden sometimes for those who are not enjoying themselves in the Lord. That's got cold, backslidden, indifferent, lackadaisical. That's left their first love. God, may they come to themselves. Realize where they're at. Realize where the Father is and why they left the Father. And God, repent and find the Father's love and the Father's grace once again.